With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Guys, welcome to The Dominator here on Crossover Week on Player Profiler. I am not Billy Muzio. I'm Theo Greminger filling in for him. I'm happy to uh, be filling in for Matt and Billy. They put out tremendous work here with The Dominator. Um, I'm truly honored by being able to sit in this, this seat today. And I'm joined by two guys that I'm friends with, but I also have a great deal of respect for. Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst are putting out tremendous content on the deep end uh, fantasy football podcast that you can find right here in the Roto Underworld on Tuesday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And these guys, I, I respect you guys both as analysts. Mike is, you know, very well known for being one of the the preeminent voices in the Buffalo region when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but I respect both of you guys in terms of your your ability to play high stakes fantasy football. These guys are drafting every single night. Um, and if it's not every single night, it's at least a few times a week. Mike, you recently took a trip to Alaska. How many how many drafts were you able to complete while you were still in the United States? But it's you know pretty foreign for the U.S. None. Okay, good for you. So, Mike. That was I mean, I wanted to, and, and when we got to uh, one of the ports, I guess we, there was a point in time that the ship was docked, and we were in Alaska. I'm like, okay, they have underdog here. Let's go, but I still couldn't do it. Something I, I was too close to international waters or something. I could get on the app, but I still couldn't. Yeah, it was. Um, but I picked. You know, I've I've tried to compensate here since I've been home. Yeah, <laughs> so. you you got to go full Chad Schroeder, and you got to have triple screens of multiple drafts in, in, going on at one time. I think we're we're nearing that that point. Um, but it's almost August here, guys. This is this is the time to draft. And and another uh, co-host of the deep end is Adam Krautwurst. Uh, Adam is a extremely successful high stakes player um, on multiple formats. He's done quite well in the FFPC as well as the FFWC, uh, and he's uh, he's very active. A lot of skin in the game. How are your drafts going this year, Adam? Uh, the drafts are going well. I I hope I haven't really gotten into like the big ones yet. I've done one FFPC main um, so far. Right now, I'm just doing a bunch of the mid stakes, just kind of biding my time for for August to roll around, but when I'm not drafting, I'm doing, this is my fifth show this week, guys. I'm running out of clothes to wear. I'm wearing like a, a Jordan PSG soccer Jersey right now. Cause I got nothing. I mean, Adam is, is attempting to flex his Jordan PSG soccer Listen, Jersey guys. That's a, all, that's it, a flex. It's a flex. Cause it doesn't fit. It's flexing. Okay. It's screaming off of me right now. Who's Jordan. Yeah, exactly. There you, know. you go. There you go guys. Uh, so I, I will say <laughs> that this is, this is a really fun year. We, we're going to talk about a lot of, of deep strategy things, but we, we've had every year fantasy football kind of adjusts to last season and kind of the values that are presented, and sometimes it over-adjusts. This year we have the combination of extreme wide receiver enthusiasm with quarterbacks being pushed up. So for me, I, I like drafting from pretty much any spot now. I get there's certain spots where there's going to be challenges to every spot, um, in terms of the later rounds, and I think we're going to get to some of that. But 
generally, where have been your favorite spot to draft from, Mike? I would say four or five, considering Tyree Kill and Cooper Cup fairly close to interchangeable and starting that way. And then really, you just have all the flexibility you want. You could do thinking more of underdog. You could do like it last night. I went. I went. Uh, Hill, Devonte Smith, Hurts. So you can play with quarterbacks there. Uh, you can get your get yourself to Mark Andrews in that spot in round three pretty easily. And the running backs, although this has changed a little bit, I think in the last week, but for a minute, Henry, Jacobs, Hall, Stevenson were kind of like all there, and now there's been a little bit to some extent or another of. negative news on some of those guys and Henry kind of went the other way with the Hopkins signing. So it's a little bit of a different layout, but um, I would say four or five or, or 11, 12 are my favorites. How about you, Adam? Where do you like drafting from? Yeah. You know, I, I can, I can make it work anywhere I think, but I, I'm getting kind of used to drafting at the end. I feel like every time I'm drafting, I'm drafting uh, later on. And if I don't have a late pick, it's uh, it's an early one, but it's super flex. So that, you know, changes everything. But I'm okay with later on. There's a lot of guys I like at the end of the first round, early second round. Like I'm, I'm very high on Garrett Wilson. Um, I'm very high on Saquon Barkley, you know, Bijan. I'm fine with there. So I think I can, you know, I'm on rot. I can make the first two rounds really work really well. And then if I can get one of the running backs, I like to follow me towards the end of the third. Like if I can get Jameer Gibbs at the end of the third, I love every start to, to my draft. And, um, you know, I could always go Mark Andrews in the, in the early second in these FFPC drafts and then go Lamar in the fourth. So I'm starting to make the three, four turn happen a little bit, especially if I can get the running backs to fall there. Um, and so to be able to start with the first four picks, like I like, and then the rest of the draft just kind of, it's, you know, you can reach for guys later on and the, and the value doesn't really matter as, as much. Yeah, no, I, I'm sort of, I've sort of with you. I've, I've really enjoyed picking from the back end. And last night I had a 101. We're going to talk a little bit about 101 strategy because uh, getting the 101 is a really nice thing to get exposure to a Justin Jefferson or the ability to take pretty much anybody who you want if you want to be contrarian. But there are some challenges with to ways to maximize that. And that's going to be the first subject we get into after we hear from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's take a moment to talk about Underdog Fantasy. Now, many of you have already signed up. Thousands have signed up from Player Profile already over the years. Underdog has supported us since 2020. Much of what you see on Player Profiler is because of Underdog, because of their support. Get the Underdog app, plug in that promo code UNDERWORLD. I used to play Underdog just for the best ball drafts. I mean, the best ball drafts are amazing. These draft rooms fill so quickly, and you can win life-changing money. You want to take advantage of all the sleepers we talk about on this show? Well... What better place than in an underdog draft room to do that? And I recommend taking your underdog play to the next level by diving into their NFL pickems. It's important to correlate those NFL pickems. You can pick both the quarterbacks and the wide receivers to exceed expectations. Correlate them, and you can five extra payout. Bada bing, bada boom. Underdog Fantasy. The promo code is Underworld for an instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Underdog is the truest friend of 
the underworld. Welcome back to The Dominator. I'm Theo Greminger, joined by Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst. Guys, underdog, Mike, I know you're constantly on that phone of yours. I was telling Adam that I'm in so many of these slow underdog drafts. It's it's absolutely disgusting right now. My whole <laughs> life revolves around putting in my picks without timing out. When I go to bed, I have to put in like eight picks. And then when I wake up in the morning, I always seem to have like 45 minutes to go on a number of others, sometimes 15 minutes to go, which is a, a true rush if you've never experienced waking up to being OTC like that. I had this argument with Billy Muzio, uh, my co-host on First Class Fantasy. Do you guys like slow drafts? Because I know some people don't like the whole slow draft uh, notion. Billy is anti-slow drafts, and he's a West Coast-based guy. You guys are both East Coast-based, so I guess we're on the, the the normal East Coast time zone. So there's we don't have that concern. But, Mike, are you doing fast, normal speed underdogs, or are you slow enough? I like the idea of slow drafts, but... I don't want to do them for 25 bucks or less. Like for me, what I want from a slow draft is I play, I played in the bulldog, which was 500. And I liked having the six hours so I could really sort of process and figure out what I want to do. Main event, stuff like that, you know, okay. But this is going to sound kind of obnoxious. I think you guys are probably the same way. I like the fast draft because I think I can do it. You know, I feel like I can manipulate and be flexible and move around and just whatever. Those are all the same things. Uh, I think I can do well in a fast draft generally. So um, for best ball mania, that's where I'm at. And I'm not, I guess I'm a little bit jealous, but I'm not waking up to 10 leagues where I'm up. I told, I told Adam, that's the problem. I did these, started these, uh, the, the slow puppy, which is like a $5 one. So I have to max it. So I'm having to do so many of them. Uh, it's like scratching off a bunch of $5 tickets at 7-Eleven a little bit, Adam. <laughs> but uh, it's, it still is a lot of fun. Um, it's a lifestyle, guys, really more than anything. And and Mike brings up a big uh, a big uh, a point that Billy Muzio had that he feels like in a slow draft, a really good drafter like yourself might lose an edge because it's allowing somebody instead of having to make that OTC decision with a clock ticking down, it gives me time to really look at the board, really be methodical, check out the weak correlation for week 17, all that good stuff. So, Adam, where are you at? Do you lose an edge in a, in a slow draft? Yeah, I definitely lose an edge. I mean, even with a six hours of pick, like I, if I'm on the clock when I'm mowing my lawn, like I will, yes, Evan Silva, I mow my, my own lawn. I will stop. And like, I got six hours. It doesn't matter. I'm going to sit on this. On, I'm going to grab some lemonade and I'm going to make this pick before I continue mowing my lawn because I have to make the pick. Nobody likes slow drafts. That's why they do 95 of them at the same time. It's not a slow draft. <laughs> you're on the clock the entire day. Like. I- yeah, you so know. for for me, I know uh, we we we're we're all dads over here, but my my kids are a little bit younger. So for for me, it's sometimes I I feel like it's like the times I'd want to draft the live draft in the evening. Like I can't do the seven o'clock drafts. I can't do the seven thirty. And then you know doing these ten o'clock drafts, you're all ramped up. You can't fall asleep. So I do it kind of out of necessity. The slow drafts. I did a slow main event, Adam. That turned out pretty well. I got Javante Williams super late, and then we had the positive news. So. That that worked out well for me. I I even snuck in Adam's DMs a slight consigliere moment to 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 pick his brain on a on a pick, but we'll get into that. But I want to. Oh, so if I, if I may just add one thing, I'm also physically incapable of letting the clock run down. Like right. if I'm on the golf course, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder to see if someone's waiting to hit. I just never want to be in the way, and so I can't even control it. Like yesterday, I was on the air on WGR, and it came to be my pick on Drafters, and that's eight hours. And I'm like, ah, Ritter. And then five minutes later, Joe Burrow went down. I'm like, why didn't I just wait 10 minutes? 
and pick Simeon or something. Like, just why the rush? But I cannot let it tick down even at all. If I'm up, I'm picking in like five minutes if I'm able. Yeah, it's like the opposite of stream. Some people have like like uh, use clock warfare. There's some friends of ours who I've I've they're friends of ours that we respect that I know for a fact when they're on like a turn will use 12 hours just to screw with people. It's really horrible. I can't um, do it. I it's 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 tough. Um, we did the Scott Fishbowl and it took like we did 10 rounds in two hours live, and then it took us like three weeks to get through 10 more rounds. <laughs> it was just like, I got oh, auto twice from on the cruise in that draft. Yeah. By the way, oh brutal. Shout out to the people not providing enough Wi-Fi for for Mike Shope on the on the cruise to get his. It's twenty six dollars a day, yeah. per device. I just decided to take a pass on that since half the time we were going to be on land. That's right. right. That's right. So guys, I want to get into it. The one hundred and one is Justin Jefferson. Uh, there's a couple times where maybe if you get several one hundred and ones, uh, you would go contrarian. Just as a devil's advocate, Mike, if you're in in if you're doing ten main events, and let's say you get five. 101s how often are you going justin jefferson four I, I think that's right to not last year adam and i were together with the draft sharks guys and i pointed out i was always getting the 101 in best ball mania and i was only picking jonathan taylor and jared smola looked at me it's like well why wouldn't you vary that it's like oh, i said you know good point uh just it, there's a there's another sort of a mental block i guess where i feel like i can't resist the value and he's the value so that's what i've got to do but I think Chase is close enough to Jefferson where it's no stretch uh, to put him there. There's no one else I would pick first, but I'm happy pretty much with either guy. I like getting second and getting whoever the number one doesn't pick. Yeah, me too. I, I love both those guys this year, and I think it's a little different than a running back where like the 101 wide receivers we've seen historically, Adam, like when Antonio Brown was going at the 101, like you get the value return. There's a little less injury uh, risk for the wide receiver position. And also you have the, like the unknown upside drafter can't be like, well, Dustin Jefferson, you know, he can't grow as a player. Um, Cause like he's 23 and he's a stud, but Adam, uh, how many times would you break? So Adam, you draft a lot. Let's say it's same question as Mike. Um, but for your case, if you do 20 main events, how, how, how many of those would you, uh, would you convert over to Justin Jefferson's if you get five one-on-ones? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It might be four and one or three, three and two for me. Cause you know, like like Mike said, I think it's close enough with Jamar Chase. And even like if I did a three and two, it might be Cooper Cup as as the as the other one because I just think that, I mean, outside of injury, and I know he's he's suffered those in the past. Like he's thirty, he's amazed. Him and Stafford are. I mean, he was better last year per game than he was the year before. And they just asked him again, like, hey, is there any rust between you two? He's like, it's the Cooper Cup's like it's the weirdest thing. Like it's like we never stopped playing. There's no second weapon there outside of Higby. Cup Cup could finish the wide receiver one this year for sure. Mike, just very quickly, OTC Tyree Killer Cooper Cup. Cup. Last night I went Hill because I'm at 17% on Cup and was five on Hill. So really, I'm I'm at the yeah. point now where I'm looking at those numbers. Yeah, I think for me it's I love them both. I I would have them probably very very close uh, in terms of how great player they are. But like Adam brought up the target competition, there's no Jalen Waddle on on the Rams, and I think there is an outside upper chance that. Like they self scout and they say, you know, we got Jalen Waddle like 115, 110 targets last year. Let's get him back up to 140, even if it means Tyree Kill goes down to 155. And I think that's a little bit of a danger, even though I'm like, I'm getting upset about 155 targets with Tyree Kill. So mm-hmm. what are we really doing? So let's talk about the 101. You take Justin Jefferson at the 101, guys. Let's go FFPC right now. 24 25 overall right now. 
Uh, it's Patrick Mahomes and, and Jalen Hurts. You also have potential for Chris Olave and Devonta Smith. Then Josh Jacobs, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Those are generally being selected. There's like the, the Tony Pollard at the 2-3 turn is completely gone. Uh, and six weeks ago, we could have talked about him falling there a little bit. Mike brought up the fact that the Derrick Henry is starting to see his ADP rise as we've added the extra weapon in DeAndre Hopkins and the potential for Henry just to smash again is very clear. Where are you at? What's the way to maximize this, Adam? And what's a way where you could get a little bit creative with your build? Because like you don't want to have the exact same start as every other 101 drafter. Right. And man, am I looking at the I'm looking at the Mojo ADP right now for main events. It's got Kelsey at the 101 right here. If I'm looking at the so, right. so that I'm looking at the 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 for the fantasy pros championship uh, okay. uh, for the last three days. Gotcha. I'm looking at the, the so the main event, the one on one is Travis Kelsey, in case anybody cares. So that's that's pretty interesting. But um yeah, I'm so like you said, ADPs are are, are changing, camp news is happening. I would Kelsey and Jefferson still the same kind of idea. It's not a running back, right? So what are we doing at the two, three turn? Um, in if we're doing main events, we're doing higher stake stuff. I'm going to get my guys. Um, normally it's running backs there, to be honest, but man, a lot of question marks now. Josh Jacobs, is he even gonna come? And hey, if you're going Jefferson, Josh Jacobs, two week 13 buys to start to start your draft. Uh, don't know if you will you, you want to do that. If you want to go Hawkinson. If you go Jefferson Hawkinson for the stack, now you've got three week 13 buys. So there's a lot of week 13 buys this year that you got to kind of kind of worry about. That's the first round of the playoffs for the for the FFPC tournaments. Um, so, yeah, but I, normally I'm going running backs. I like Brees Hall. If Delvin Cook doesn't sign there, I love Brees Hall. And I love J- Jameer Gibbs. It's a higher, higher than his ADP, but he's not making it back around to me at the 4-5. So I could see myself going Ramondra, Hall, Gibbs, three of those guys. And that's if nobody falls, right? A lot of times stuff happens. You could see a Derrick Henry fall. I'm fine with him there. You could see um, a Jalen Taylor. Robert. Taylor. Yeah, that's right. Taylor, even though his ADP is a little higher than that. But yeah, you'll get main event drafts where people go get their guys. And if they don't like Taylor, he could certainly fall. So I like long story. I like kind of back-to-back running backs there to go with Jefferson um, or Chase because those guys are like having a receiver and a half at the receiver position. So you don't need to load up on receiver after you draft them. How about you, Mike? What's what's uh, some strategies you would take uh, after you start Jefferson when you're following up at that 2-3 turn? So I shouldn't take Mahomes and Hurts at ADP. Is that right? I shouldn't do that? Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, I'm, well, <laughs> I, I don't want to deter you. Like, again, like, yeah. you know, there. That, it's an interesting question because – and I'll, I'll take a step back here, Mike, because you bring up last year about Jonathan Taylor at the 1. Jonathan, it, it actually set up really well last year. And Adam, you'll remember this. You take Jonathan Taylor at the one, or, you know, if, if it was a McCaffrey start, whatever, then you would get access to Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, and at the time, Michael Pittman was was right in that range. So it, it set up naturally for you to be able to get two wide receiver ones with your RB1 overall. It's It was a very structured build. Now the wide receivers you would consider are – Devonta Smith and T Higgins, who are both wide receiver twos on their own teams, a little less of an edge. So Mike, I think that I don't want to talk you out of those quarterbacks because no. at least they provide an edge. <laughs> well, you could go Smith hurts and not get cheated if you did that, but well, sorry, yeah, he, Mike, did you mean both quarterbacks to take them yes, both? Yeah. Yes. That's what I thought you meant. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't take both. <laughs> uh, I would recommend not taking both. 
Do not I, do that, guys. You know, what What are you trying to do there? Really, the build is kind of the point. You, you have a good look at tight end this year at 4-5. Uh, the way Kittle gets drafted or Pitts or Hawkinson, like that's still going to be maybe not Hawkinson by end of four, but you, you're going to have better tight end options there than if you're drafting at the end. The end, we did this on Sunday night in the fantasy pros. Like we talked each other into Andrews in the first round because like you're not getting watch the ship chasing guys. Now they're not getting their tight end in the first that they're not there at the back end unless they reach. And that's, you know, hard to live with sometimes. So at one uh, at the turn there, you might just have to sort of pick one of those running backs, Stevenson, Jacobs, Hall, maybe, where you feel like you're reading between the lines in the in the media. Yeah, it's not so bad. You know, full, there is a full workload there. I don't believe Jacobs is going to hold out, whatever, and pick one of them. And then maybe a receiver, if it's Higgins and Burrow comes back or, you know, someone else, uh, Olave, that, that can be fine too. Maybe there's a stack opportunity. So, you know. One of each or even two uh, receivers. I really don't want two running backs by pick 25, though. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, uh, you know, the dead zone has moved, but it's still dead zone-y. Um, I like Adam's idea of pushing Jameer Gibbs up there. Uh, quickly, uh, not on the show sheet, where will Jameer Gibbs be selected when we draft on Friday in Vegas after Ooh. opening game? Because that one is like Adam, you you might be getting him behind ADP, uh, based on that you know potential game flow against Kansas City in an up tempo game where there's going to be plenty of passing opportunity for Detroit. Where do you think he'll end up with the the irrational exuberance of the Friday drafter? Yeah, and that's another good point. These Lions and Chiefs guys in these tournaments, you get the free look at them for that Thursday night game. I want someone. I need someone smarter than me to make a spreadsheet that shows me the value of taking players that you get to see on that Thursday night. It's one week. I get it, but there's value into being able to bench them or start them, whether after watching them play, I need to know what that is. Somebody smarter than me, but well, um, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Just like, um, no, no, never mind. You take it. I was going <laughs> to start to answer the question, but it's not so, my turn. Uh, I think he's going to go probably closer. Cause honestly, Jacob's the longer he holds out, he's going to drop. Delvin Cook's probably going to sign in New York. You might have more info on that deal. You're down there. He's going to. I think it's. I think it's going to happen. I think he's going to sign with the Jets. So Brees Hall's going to drop significantly. There's where on this, you know, words coming out too that they, the the Patriots, they want to add another back. They want to, you know, they they don't want to give Ramondre Stevenson all the workload there. So you're having all these backs that are going there pushed down. Jameer Gibbs might be get pushed up. Najee Harris might get might get pushed up. So a lot of this stuff's going to happen. I think Gibbs ends up at the at the top of the third round for sure. And I do want to push back a little bit on the not taking two running backs part. I think we're getting, I get it, but we're also getting running backs that for the last 20 years would be going at the one, two turn because yeah. remember, it used to be 12 picks in the first round. Nine of them were running backs. Now you're getting running back nine at the two, three turn. So I think that there is, you know, you go receiver or tight end, or whatever running back, running back. And then you just ignore me in that type of build, I just ignore running back for the next six or seven rounds, get some elite tight ends, elite quarterback, stuff like that. Herbert's dropping past where he should be. And so um, that that's a that's a build that you can do, I think. Yeah, I think that that's a great, great point, Adam, about and, – and I highly recommend my press coverage with Josh Larkey where we tried to really identify the new dead zone. But Adam's right. Like if we took a time machine, if we, we – uh, Pop the pop, popped in the DeLorean, and when we went back to like 2019, you'd see 10 running backs where RB10 would be drafted 
you know, at 11, 12 overall. And now you're seeing RB10 available to you, like where we're talking about here at like 25, 26, 27. It's, it's a wild, wild change. Um, I think it's correct. Um, yeah. But I think it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. So that, that's uh, what I want to say too. It's, it's rational. Yeah. Right. It's like de- we, 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 we've already poked the holes in the arguments for Stevenson and Hall and, you know, Henry, we didn't say it, but he's old. Right. So yeah. it, it, it's rational. And I, that's why I don't want to, in terms of Gibbs, obviously, I mean, the Friday drafters are going to be taking their cues from the bare knuckle on Thursday night after that game. And obviously. of course, of course, just sort of play it by that, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, like the game script against the Chiefs, like you said, Theo, that could be nine targets or ten. I mean, he, he could really rack that up if they if they're losing, but it might be like the most extreme example of that on their schedule. And then whoever they play next, it's David Montgomery week because they're not playing Kansas City. So I think Adam's probably right that he goes up based on his logic, but I also think there could be a real overreaction to Gibbs based on the fact that they're playing the Chiefs, depending on you know, if it goes the way you might expect. 100 percent there'll be overreactions to to thursday night that's that's the like amari cooper two seasons ago was like the fifth overall pick yeah um he rose like based on that one game so things are vegas vegas a lot of fun you got to keep it level-headed on those friday drafts let's let's last last year excuse me last year i want to say in the bare knuckle it was the bills and the rams and remember cam Akers like didn't see the field in that game and nobody really understood that I picked him, I think it was the ninth round of the bare knuckle. Like, who knows what, what that is. I didn't win, but had I had a good enough team, I mean, he, he was awesome in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. You would have had to sit on it, but he was definitely the uh, the last six weeks hero, well, at least one of them at the running back spot. Guys, let's, t- let's flip the script here. I highly recommend everybody to go back and listen to the deep end from this week, the GOAT district from this week, and also first and 15 from this week, because we participated in a 350 draft uh b-bag batoba dio adesai uh chris henderson jd uh andrew schellenberg and myself and and mike and adam so some really really sharp drafters kind of sharing their process and that was a really fun draft you guys drafted out of the 12 hole uh, and you excuse me the 10 hole you pushed mark andrews up to the 10 spot Uh, i wanted to talk a little bit about is lamar jackson and mark andrews kind of the most lethal potential correlation play that you can build right now Michael, you want to answer that? He was, he was, he was your idea. He was your idea. Well, we we didn't get Jackson, but we were in position yeah. to at four oh three. He went at the turn, though. Um, sure, right? Like, there's definitely number one stacking potential there for those two guys. Jackson isn't always that much cheaper than Mahomes, Hurts, Allen. So sometimes at that at that back end, though, like that's where you're really staring at it. I love how we did it with Andrews, even though it wasn't really comfortable. ADP is like 18 to 20 for him. But while I'm not someone who spends a lot of time trying to predict ADP outcomes, I mean, people are going to want to build around a tight end there in FFPC and what's not to love. Like what, what would be the argument against Andrews having another great season? I mean, Flowers or Beckham, they want to throw more. That's not going to be bad for him. Right. So um, I think Andrews belongs in that range. And I mean, 203 is even above ADP. And I love that. So, yeah, very optimistic for him. And I think it worked out, Adam, in, in that draft. I mean, we went, ended up with a receiver in round two. I don't remember who it was, maybe Lamb. And it's then it was Adams, Hall. Adams, yeah. I think. Adams, I think right. Adams, yeah. Right. And then Hall, ETN, and then a few receivers. I, I like how we ended up there. 
Yeah. yeah, I I love I love how your build worked out. I love the number of your picks as well. Um, but definitely don't want to give it all away, guys. Go listen to the deep end from this week, and Mike and Adam can kind of explain that uh, and kind of how they built that team. But let's just talk about Adam the the fundamental uh, nature of selecting Mark Andrews. I think that he does a lot of really great things for you. Mike brings up the potential of the player which is really the main reason you want to draft anybody. But I think in these sort of tight end premium uh, formats, you don't have to play catch up at the position. You could go potential naked one tight end build. You could do a lot of different things when you, when you use that sort of draft capital, maybe talk about, you know, how high you'd be willing to push Mandrews up to and the kind of advantage he might give you. Yeah. I love the idea of it. And in fact, I haven't, I haven't told Mike this yet, but last night I had, uh, the 10 spot again. And I did, I had a kind of a burst of energy. I got in the midnight draft and I had a burst of energy and I, and I said, you know what, let me, let me go get Andrews, but let me see if I can push the envelope. And I ended up getting him in the second round. I started Garrett Wilson, Mark Andrews, Brees Hall, Lamar Jackson. So similar to what we did mm. was able to get Lamar to fall. But so I like, so last year, the stack that you needed to have was the Mahomes Kelsey stack. It was more expensive than Andrews Jackson is this year. And everybody had it last year, um, but but you needed it. You needed to have it last year. Lamar and a- Andrews are going to be cheaper this year, and if and not near as many people are going to have the stack. People will have it. It's very easy to get. Like Mike has said, you can get Andrews at the one-two turn. You can get Lamar at the three-four turn pretty pretty easily. But you're still not going to have as many people grabbing that that stack. So I think if they end up smashing. Mark Andrews was the tight end one two years ago. If Lamar's healthy and they're throwing the ball more, that could be the stack that you need to have. And so I would hate, especially with how difficult that three, four turn can be. I would hate to pass on like a, like a can't miss guy like Lamar outside of injury um, to just try to go in, in a different route and have that be the stack you need to have. And then just not taking it. Sometimes it's just simple, like just take, do the simple thing. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll push this back to you, Mike, but it's the, it's, it's it's the arbitrage Mahomes Kelsey yes. play. And Mike, you bring up like the the four wide receiver set and the speed of the Todd Munkin offense, but like that's you you think that could be good for Andrews. I completely agree with you, but why don't you kind of share why? Well, I mean, no specific reason, but everybody is more optimistic for their passing offense than last year or than the last few years. And I don't know how why it would be logical at all to see how Andrews would not fit into that you know he's red zone is there everything is there he's going to be 28 I'm fine with that so um, I mean I would bet him even money I shouldn't have to to finish above Kelsey this year and you know you get to the the third round if you draft Kelsey at like three you could you'll, you'll do okay maybe that's Mahomes there which costs you at other positions you know it's just a little bit cheaper like we've been talking about and um, I don't know like isn't it possible that even Jackson's ceiling is higher than Mahomes with what he's able to do as a runner. Yes. yes. So, um, you know, you, you're, you're putting Garrett Wilson on those teams or CD lamb or AJ Brown or Devonte Adams on those teams. And you're not getting any of those guys. If you start with Kelsey. Yeah. The, let's talk about the challenges of the, of the Kelsey uh, Mahomes start, because this is something I've talked about with Billy Muzio a lot lately, Mike, you do a ton of underdog. I do a ton of underdog. We probably each got a dozen Mahomes Kelsey starts on underdog. But you see it continually, whether you're drafting in the main event, whether you're drafting in a 350, like any FFPC league, you're seeing it. I was in another format, an FFPC competitor last night, and somebody starts off with 
Travis Kelsey at like the nine or 10, and then they take Mahomes in the second round. So it's like, it's almost seems like the law for Travis Kelsey drafters that they have to take uh, Mahomes. And I think it's kind of threading the needle. Adam, you bring up last year. Last year, Mahomes was a lot cheaper. Justin Herbert had steamed up to quarterback two in a lot of these drafts. You were able to get Mahomes considerably cheaper. Now you're having to use at least, like Mike, you bring up like the dream scenario where you get Mahomes in the third. If you're going to do it, a lot of times people are using those top two picks. How difficult is it going to be for you to win when you draft two guys from the same team? The correlation in the first and second round is, it seems to me like you're trying to thread the needle. Either one of you guys can take this one. Well, yeah. you know, Adam has said about another question, people smarter than I, and I, I would answer that way about, about to this question, you know, like I feel like I've been convinced without being able to detail the argument that receivers, you're really going to, you're really going to hurt, especially if you get one of those running backs, we all like in round three that way. So I would never risk Mahomes in round two on a Kelsey team, because I'd just be too scared that I would not get there at receiver, I would take Devontae Smith or Olave, you know, or even Higgins maybe in that, in that scenario. Yeah. I, I just really struggle to take a quarterback in round two, because I like a lot of players there. Whereas like there, I think the advantage to taking that an early quarterback is taking him in a spot where maybe it's a pocket of the draft that you don't really feel confident in. You don't, you don't really like, I'm like, you know what? I'll take the elite quarterback. Cause I know outside of injury he's, he's going to hit. I like Saquon Markley. I like Tony Pollard. I like Devonta Smith. I like T Higgins. I don't love him, but you know, there's some players there that I think can really, really help. And so to take that, to kind of waste my like wild card there um, on a, on a quarterback that, that, that early to stack with Kelsey. And it doesn't, if you're taking Mahomes and Kelsey in the first two rounds, they have to do what they did last year. And again, you know, with the age thing and just some, some bad luck, uh, they never, have bad luck there, but a little bit of bad, bad luck. They could, they could not do what they did. Now it's safe. Don't get me wrong. It's certainly safe. Outside of, outside of injury, they're not going to, they're not going to bust, but I don't know. I just feel like there's other, there's other stacks, especially quarterback. I mean, listen, Jalen hurts, Dallas Goddard. I mean, there's another great quarterback tight end stack for you. There's, there's different ways to do it. Yeah. I, I think that that's a, that's a great point. I think it just, for me, it's, it's the commonness of it. It's the sure. combination, yeah, the right. combination of the commonness, and also the draft capital. So for that reason, I'm I'm probably out on it. I'll have a ton of it in underdog, and I think it's something you, if you are a max, if you're max entering, you don't want to walk away from it. But I think if you're doing only a handful of these, it's not really giving you as much of an edge as you think. I want to go back to you know we we mentioned wide receivers a lot, and I went with AJ Brown and Amon Ross St. Brown out of the twelve hole of my. Um, my only main event so far, it was a slow one, guys. But I went with those two guys, <laughs> and I love it. But last night, I'm in a in a 350, and Billy Wazowski, who I think is one of the best drafters in the country, starts out from the 12th hole, and he goes, I'm on Ross St. Brown and A.J. Brown. So I worry a little bit about the 12th hole. Like, I think that if you talk to, to a bunch of drafters you respect, everybody likes that start from the 12th because we're exposed to so many – potentially you know high outcome players whether it's the running backs that you mentioned adam or the wide receivers we've discussed what's your strategy from the 12 adam do you just worry like you're just trying to get max upside guys trying to be as dangerous as possible when do you start worrying about you know trying to be unique so it's funny you bring that up the fantasy pros i did late, late last night 
pick 12. AJ Brown, Amon Ross Saint, Sissi Saint Brown. <sighs> I'm not yeah, that smart. I'm not that smart, guys. <laughs> I know. Uh, and then they came back around and went Najee Harris, Jameer Gibbs. That's a that's a really sweet start to me, Jamir Jameer Gibbs for three, four. Uh, you know, I I think it's a good good point to bring to bring that up too. Is that you know that it's kind of a receiver area there. You know, hey, if you had picked 12, how many times have you taken that combination of players? But um, I think that's where you get it. There's enough variance where you can move some 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 things around. Plus, you, you you'll get camp news. So I would, if you're at pick 12 a bunch, I would still just take uh, the guys that you like there because you don't know how many times that they're going to fall. Um, I'm I'm a huge Garrett Wilson guy this year. Like, so I I take him a lot there. I, so I like them all. So I'm really mixing and mixing it up. Um, so I don't necessarily find myself struggling that way. Last year, I did end up with a ton of Diggs Adams at that at that one two turn, which was incredible all year until it actually mattered. You know what I mean? I had so many playoff teams with Diggs and Adams, and they just died at the end at the end of the year. So uh, it can be really good for you if it works, but they got to hit it at the, at the right time. How about you, Mike? What what has been your preferred strategy from the twelve hole? You know, Adam said a lot of it. I don't feel like I can fail at 12 or even yeah. 11. I, I like 11 more because I like to play off what I think 12 yeah. will do yeah. as a draft plays out. But I don't think I can fail there. Like if I'm at eight or nine, that's where I feel like I can fail with my first round pick. And in the second round, I'm going to get one of these guys that didn't get picked at 10, 11, 12. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be Devontae Adams or it's going to be Barkley. I mean, you see Pollard go at the turn on underdog. You see Nick Chubb go at the turn on underdog. I just know and if I'm at the end of a, of a draft, I'm never reaching. It's always going to be any two of those guys. And it really can fluctuate by position too. I'll be in a Bijan Robinson mood one day and Garrett Wilson the next. I don't feel like I can fail. And at 3-4, that usually works out well enough also. The, only, the FFPC thing though, tight end is the problem. If you're drafting at the end, you know, Andrews is definitely at the top of my list there because – who was who your starting tight end unless you really reach if you're drafting at 11 or 12 on FFPC? Like the, the first guy, if I remember the board right, that isn't a reach is, is Evan Ingram in like the seventh round. And, you know, people like Evan Ingram, but at FFPC, I'm kind of generally afraid to start to have a team without a top tight end. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. I think that George Kittle at the at the 3-4, uh, if you want to go Kyle Pitts at the 3-4, like – you do have to take them higher than ADP in order to ensure a tight end because you're not getting exposure to Waller. Hope maybe, maybe, maybe Goddard falls to you, um, but it's 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 you know five twelve Goddard is is no is no safe bet. So Waller that, is really Waller's really the interesting sort of wild card in there. I think Theo like maybe he should go higher th- than yes. he does. The early camp stuff is outstanding on him, and maybe he is Plan B without Andrews. Um, we'll see if his ADP changes because I think there is like a really high ceiling there. I think that I think his ADP will change. I, I think that he we're going to start seeing him drafted ahead of Kittle and ahead of Pitts a lot more often than we're seeing now because I mean uh, he could have a 130 target season this year uh, for the Giants and and all of the buzz is positive. Like everybody that like yesterday they said <laughs> Waller had to couldn't finish practice because. Daniel Jones was throwing the ball to him too much every single time. So they wanted to like him a little rest and see some other guys. It's like, it's wild. Uh, the bounce back could happen. And Mike, you know, you, you're very close to the bills. And the last time we saw Brian Dable get a weapon that he traded for in an off season, Stefan Diggs was drafted right around the same range as Darren Waller right now, uh, you know, in FFPC. 
And I'm, I don't think that there's obviously not a, uh, not a digs outcome, but I think in terms of Brian Dable's a guy that can really figure out how to use creative ways to get his main pass catcher, the ball. Yes. And he also doesn't have anybody else except for Barkley, right. who's a proven pass catcher on the team. He's got a lot of options. The 2020 narrative was be careful about receivers who are moving to new teams. So slow down on Diggs and Hopkins, you know, who had gone to new teams, but Diggs led the league in it's, catches and, and yards that year. It's so funny. It's like the the norms in fantasy football just completely go out the window because AJ Brown, Tyree Kill, they all they all smash now. It's like we want <laughs> Christian Kirk. We all want we all want the guys on, on new teams. I think it's I think it's a fantastic and all the rookies have smashed as well. So uh, we we just we we you got to move with the times, guys. We got to move with the times in fantasy football. Let's t- you mentioned Mike the difficulty you're having right now picking out of the eight hole. Adam, you talked about your love of Garrett Wilson. Why not push Wilson up to the eight? I I think I've probably done that. I have Garrett Wilson. I'm not a projections guy. I trust a lot of the people who I think are smart. Obviously, you and Billy, a player profiler, there's a couple other sites that I really trust. I've got. Um, Garrett Wilson right with CD lamb as like my wide receiver, like five right behind to Tyree kill. I'm more than happy to take him there. I think the, the, the camp news is awesome on him. I'm watching him and sauce Gardner go at it like dogs on the football field on the pre and I'm loving it. Iron sharpening iron. I'm thinking to myself, yo, chill out Gary. You're going to get hurt. And sure enough, he pulls up with like a, a slight ankle sprain. I'm like, cheese Louise. So outside of injury, I think, Rodgers loves him, and I think he's going to absolutely smash this year. So, yeah, I'm fine taking him right there. Because like, like Mike said, you feel like you're reaching. At least reach for a guy that you really b- b- believe in rather than just taking ADP. I think just the general, and even if Garrett Wilson's not your guy, I think, Adam, you kind of hit on that where I want to take a guy at eight where I feel the most dangerous. Mike, the challenge is there. What, what has been your preferred strategy are you considering pushing Mandry's update? It would be Eckler, I think, because you still have that insane ceiling potential. I sort of still feel like they should sign a running back to go with him, or maybe Isaiah Spiller or somebody shows. Um, but uh, he he's at where I end up, and we'll just get one of those receivers often makes it. FFPC, this would be Andrews. I haven't picked in that range yet over there that I remember. But I don't know, like – I have a strange sort of – it's funny talking to you about this because I did a video on digs for you earlier in the offseason. I have a strange reluctance about him. It's not because of – that he skipped a day of minicamp. It's not because of uh, anything real, I guess. But I guess I just don't like him or A.J. Brown that much more than the next four or five guys. So Eckler, there is a gap for me there. And, I mean, he's just been so productive. That's what I'll usually do. But I don't love it. Yeah, stick with that one because A.J. Brown, I've heard this argument a little bit. Last year, A.J. Brown had career highs in a number of categories, and most importantly was targets. That was what we always wanted out of Tennessee. And he got 140 targets-ish uh, last year in Philly. Now his ADP has been pushed up where you're definitely going to consider him in the first round if you want him. If you get him at the 201, 202, that's like a gift. Is he does he have potential to increase his target numbers, Adam? Or do you worry about this sort of being like a like a capped situation and maybe he's a little bit more of a is what he is guy rather than a league winner where we're drafting him? Uh yeah, I don't see his his targets going up. I mean, De- De- Devonta Smith 
might be better than AJ Brown. Can I can I just say that? I mean, the, with the the draft capital, he's always been great. Comes from comes from a big time college school and has been awesome his first two years in the NFL. He might be just as good or better than AJ Brown. So I don't see AJ Brown getting any more. If anything, I see them getting kind of closer to a 50-50 split. Devonta Smith last year, I think, was 25% target share. It's going to be tough for him to get that again unless A.J. Brown comes down. But uh, but I still think A.J. Brown, outside of injury, is a safe, a safe pick there. I mean, he's in an explosive offense and all that stuff. If you're looking for a high upside, like, hey, this guy can finish in the top three, I like Garrett Wilson more than that. I like, obviously, Tyree Kill or Shitty Lamb more, more for that. But I think for safety, I think A.J. Brown's fine there. Garrett Wilson, year two, Odell Beckham, year two. Mike, can you see it? Sure. I, I mean, Adam's the flag bearer when it comes to uh, Wilson <laughs> on our team. But I get it, right? Aaron Rodgers. It, it, it is a little bit what, – what would be the argument against it? There's just a lot of unknown there with new team, new quarterback. Wilson's not on a new team, but almost every other receiver there is on a new team. And, you know, how often will he throw to the running backs? Is Hall – healthy, what might Dalvin Cook mean to all of it? Uh, everybody's talking up Conklin as a guy that Rodgers will sort of lean on, which, you know, could be for touchdowns. Um, I'm, I'm fine with Garrett Wilson, not at eight, but, you know, he's one of those guys that I think belongs where he goes a few picks later. I want to talk about another tier of wide receivers that I think is giving people a little bit of pause. You have, basically, you see the, the big, we'll call them like the big 14 or 13 wide receivers that go in the first two rounds of every draft. And if not, they get pushed up to the early third. Then you have the T Higgins, and then there's a couple of player gap, and then DK Metcalf is selected. But those two guys are, you know, alphas and high touchdown upside kind of guys, still a little bit of youth. Then you get to this tier of wide receivers where it's somewhere between the end of the third and let's call it the mid-fourth, because I think Christian Watson's rising. You've got Keenan Allen, Calvin Ridley, Debo Samuel, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy and Christian Watson. It's a it's a cop out to say I I, I want to you know I think they're all in the same tier because we need to pick a winner here, guys. Which of these guys gives you the biggest edge, Adam? And which of these guys are you most into selecting here at ADP? You can give two names. Yeah, I'm really. It's funny because we we don't stop podcasting like ever, right? We go all through the off season and everything. So like you know our takes, my takes change a little bit from you know february march and i'll, I'll pause i'll say that means you're doing you're doing the right thing because you sure. draft a lot and you podcast a lot and, and you never want to be dig your heels in so my 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 answer changes from you know six months ago but i'm i'm really starting to get in on this this jaguars offense and calvin ridley i just i love the idea of and maybe i needed to see him out there maybe i need to see that he was because listen, last time we saw him full season wide receiver three, awesome. The next year he had some mental health issues. So he took time away from football and then he was the gambling. So it's like, you know, let's see where he's at. And he um he looks, he look he looks great. He looks like he's he looks, he looks ridiculous. Like he looks insane. Oh, there's no pads on. There's no you can see explosiveness though. And anyways, he looks fine. He's still in his in his in his prime. So I really like Calvin Ridley, the idea of hey man, he could be. He's another guy going back to your question earlier. He could be a two, three turn guy come, um, come, you know, Friday night in Vegas or whatever. Like he's a guy creeping up. So that's a guy that I'm definitely going to start, going to start taking more of because I think I got to catch up. I don't have, uh, I don't have a lot of shares of him. It's a good, Mike, good, where, where are you at on these, these guys? That's a good, uh, good case right there. 
I will say, so let's say like we were just talking about, I'm drafting 11 or 12 and I've started with two of those receivers. The guy I would want next from that group is Watson. Yeah. I want, I want the guys next that have the best chance of just being a grand slam, you know? Um, I, I don't think all those guys on that list really give you that. I don't think Amari Cooper gives you that kind of possible outcome. Now, if I've started with a running back, then I think maybe Amari Cooper is a better idea because I think he's probably safer than Watson. But if you draft Watson and it it sort of looks good in Green Bay, that's that's tremendous for you. And then I would put Judy next on that list because I think there is the same potential. We talked about Kansas City earlier. I don't know if I have many Kelsey Mahomes teams, but I have a lot of Kelsey and Russell Wilson teams because of the Week 17 point. And I don't want two quarterbacks from that same game in week 17. And I think so Denver, like I I can certainly buy into the idea that they're a lot better. The argument's been made that Judy doesn't really deserve to be belong. So to, to go so much earlier than his colleagues in that receiver room, but I think he is the best of them. So that's another one where there is a chance for a huge year if they're good. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm into Watson. I'm into Judy a lot. Uh, Adam, I'm like you. I was on the take Christian Kirk later uh, than than taking Ridley, but good lord, he looks like like the guy hasn't stopped working out during his suspension, which you always kind of worry about. Uh, I don't remember Ridley being that physically imposing in Atlanta, but he looks uh, the every, looks the part. And I'll say, like Mike, I love the argument for Christian Watson. That's a guy that that's Billy Muzio's. Since Billy Muzio is a co-host of the Dominator, we'll give him a little hat tip. Great drafter. That's his his most uh, his most selected wide receiver uh, in his portfolio. He's been hammering him in best balls. I'm I I'm really into Watson. I think like you know the tape doesn't lie, and I think we try to poke holes in guys. And I hate the whole argument. Well, touchdown rate is unsustaining because like let's see those long touchdowns from other people where they completely run away from defenses like Tyreek Hill did when he was young. And Watson, I think his competition for 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 targets right now is another second year player and a rookie at the wide receiver, and then you have two rookie tight ends, and then you have Aaron Jones, who's you know getting a little bit older at running back position. So I'm with you on Watson. It's a very interesting group of wide receivers. I think that I'm probably the least interested in Amari Cooper. I'm I'm I think that he's just we've never seen him go over 130 targets and the the target competition has increased a lot in Cleveland. So it's definitely a, an interesting, interesting uh, group of players to look at. Wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about tight ends. We all play tight end premium and the, the position is so important no matter where you play because it, there's so many non-impactful players. So Mike, let's say you get shut out of, the big two with Mandrews and Kelsey, who has been your preferred player to grab? I like Friar Muth a lot um, where he's at in his career, third year player and some signs of optimism with the quarterback and just sort of the, the team. I, I think the, the coordinator situation is unfortunate, but Friar Muth did well. I have been on Oconquo since last year. I drafted Oconquo in tournaments last year as like a late round pick as just an athlete with, with upside there. And I don't mind what's happened in Tennessee really for him. People point to how little usage he got last year. Like he wasn't on the field often enough, but that should change because he was good. Like when he was on the field, he was productive. Why wouldn't they sort of rational coaching, right? Sigmund Bloom, you want to hope that they kind of see what he was able to do and and use him more. So 
I'm fine there. And I think there are some, and this has been said by many people, some fine options toward the end. Dawson Knox, I think, will still be on the field all the time for the Bills, even though they drafted Kincaid, who I know you love, uh, Theo. I like the idea of him, but I'm not so much on him for his rookie season. Been talking a lot about that here in Buffalo. Hunter Henry is also somebody at the very end of drafts that um, might be pretty good. Noah Fant as well. So there's there's value late. You just have to kind of get a little bit lucky with the one or ones you pick. Adam, Adam, how about you? Are you diving into like the middle class tight ends if you miss out on the early ones, or are you waiting till to to try to pick the you know the low end tight end twos and really punt the position entirely? I, I think lot. Adam, there he is. I- yeah, I have a I have a lot of uh, Travis Kelsey to be honest with you. This season, he's kind of, whenever he slips, and I never have a top pick. So if I sometimes I'm getting him at like seven or eight, and I'm happy to do that. Um, but if I so if I don't get him, normally I'll try to get whatever tight end lasts from that second group. I know you're talking about missing if if if, if you miss these guys, but like whoever falls, if it's Goddard or if it's um some, sometimes it's Pitts, sometimes it's Waller. So usually I'm taking whatever the la- I'll wait and try to time it so I can get the last guy in that in that group. And if that doesn't work, or even if that does work, you know you got to take a second tight end. I really like Higby. Higby could be the number two receiver there um, for the for, for the Rams. I can't believe I'm saying this too, but uh, Dalton Kincaid is a guy. You know I know I don't do the rookie tight end thing, but he's a guy that we're keeping an eye on in Buffalo. Like Mike said, if he's lining up out of the slot. He's not playing to tight end, so he's a guy that I like taking when I can get him at like tight end 14, 15 as my tight end two. Uh, I really like doing that. If I if I may, if I may uh, promote self promote for a minute, I did <laughs> a, a, an interesting half hour yesterday on WGR five to five thirty Eastern on Kincaid. Uh, you can find that at the Odyssey app. And here's the point: ten tight ten rookie tight ends in the Super Bowl era have caught fifty passes in a season. I mean, he's in the tight end room. I know it's a slot receiver, Cole Beasley. He's in the tight end room. They have a tight end on the team who's, who, who's fine. So if he catches 50 passes for like 500 yards and five touchdowns, it's kind of historic for a rookie tight end to do that. It's also yeah. three for 30. Right. You, like it, it's, it, it can be sort of historically good and a huge bust in fantasy at the same yeah. time. Kincaid. Yeah. And by the way, for you guys, and I know we're getting late here. Anybody a little scared about the early Kyle Pitts, uh, how he yes. looks and I his injury? I didn't, I didn't like seeing the way that he had the brace on and, and yeah. how he was moving. And I think you always have to take that with a grain of salt because somebody might have said, hey, Kyle, go 70% speed. Let's just see how you get out of this break. But I, I don't love – I definitely don't love seeing it um, – we know we need we need Kyle Pitts this year based on where he's getting drafted, and then certainly just to take it to dynasty. This is a polarizing season for him. Uh, I didn't love seeing it. Yeah, and and it, and it reminds me. And, but again, it wasn't even like he was going slow. He was looked like he was like limping as he was running. It reminds me of Dobbins last year in that one video we saw where he would look like he was limping, and then sure enough, like he was put him on. They put him on the pop, and then when, even when he got back, but they didn't put him on the pop. He got kind of tweaked it. And even when he came back, he looked like he was dragging his leg the whole season. I don't like to see it. And the reports out of camp today is they're really struggling to convert deep passes in training camp. And he, for whatever reason, they love to run him on these deep routes. I'm definitely nervous. Mac Hollins looks like a character from the program. 
If you don't have not seen that movie, you might want to watch it. But uh, that might be a guy that you're you're letting the, the let him know. Hey, you know they might be testing today, Mac. Guy looks like a warrior today. So, uh, guys, uh, wanted to quickly pick your brain here on these RB twos. Let's specifically leave the fourth round running backs out of there. So, like, I don't want to this like the Najee Harris's don't really enter our our equation. Let's make the cutoff Ken Walker. So I'm looking at Cam Akers, Miles Sanders. J.K. Dobbins, Alexander Madison, Rashad White, Damian Pierce, James Conner, and DeAndre Swift. All of those guys are currently going somewhere in the middle of the fifth to the end of the sixth. Sometimes you get Swift in the seventh. And hell, we'll, we'll throw David Montgomery uh, up into this mix and Javante Williams. They're rising. Who of these, this wide swath of running backs, have you been most comfortable drafting, if any? For Adam. me, it's really it's. Or, oh, go sorry. ahead, Mike. Go, go ahead, Mike. Go. You take for it. me. It's it's really been Pierce, um, more early in the off season because I think there's a potential that their offense is just decidedly better. I know with a rookie quarterback could happen, and I like the player so much. Uh, Dobbins, I think, is fine too. My guess on Dobbins is that he's not in because of money, and he's maybe like Jonathan Taylor trying to see where it can take him. Uh, everybody has said like there's a lack of leverage. He doesn't done enough. That's probably right, but. I'm sort of assuming he's healthy and I don't mind him, especially with stacking potential uh, in that range. Yeah. I mean, it's the guy's played 23 games. It's not his fault. He's very talented, but yeah, they certainly, uh, that would be a weird one. Um, so you would say Mike, those two guys make you feel the most dangerous with your builds when you select them. Yeah. Pier- it's a tough word to use for Pierce. That's fair, but there's nothing dangerous about Montgomery and I don't think Swift either. I'm not even sure Swift is good. So, um, yeah, that's, that's right. Dobbins is dangerous. I mean, if Dobbins is healthy, that's amazing. And he's able to produce for Baltimore. That could be amazing, but right. I mean, Rashad white, is he good enough? Is his team going to be not terrible? Do they bring someone else in too many question marks for me? Yeah. I'll say Miles Sanders has gotten steamed up a little bit, but there's some positive vibes on him being a three down back. Cam Akers is a guy that I've selected a lot because I think he, he goes after Dobbins I have liked Cam Akers, and then we selected Damian Pierce the other night. I think Damian Pierce, like I agree with you, Mike, I can't really use the word dangerous, but he is a second-year back with explosiveness, and he could be the focal point of that offense, um, which there's something to be said for that. I do think they'll be an effective team running the football. Adam, who are the guys that are your favorites to draft out of this group? Yeah, this is why this is the running back dead zone, right? Because there's just so many positive things to say about him, but then so many so many question marks. I mean, Cam Akers – I was out on, then I was trying to get, oh, okay, you know, I'm getting a little bit more back, back in on him. And then, you know, they say he put on like 15 pounds uh, in the out. Like, I never want my running backs to get gaining weight. You know, even if it's muscle, like, I don't, I don't know. that. I'll, whenever they lose weight, that makes me feel good. Yet, you know, go back to the years, like Le'Veon Bally lost like 15 pounds one year, and then he was insane for the next two, two or three years. So that makes me worry. J.K. Dobbins um, is a guy for me that I've been drafting uh, I draft every year and it has never worked out, but this year I'm going to be back on him again, you know, going in, in the, in the fifth round, that offense is going to be explosive. He is holding out for money or whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean the, and he also might want some time. I mean, he's a veteran at this point, right guys. And he's like four years in, you know, maybe he doesn't want to show up to training camp uh, and kind of wear his body out. But I do like JK Dobbins, but I think the highest upside, uh, the highest upside guy here might be DeAndre Swift. I mean, he has, I'm not even saying he's good, but he's on a, a team that's insane. Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback, but he throws to the running backs more than you would uh, think. 
from a running uh, from a from a scrambling kind of running quarterback position. You know, not if, but when. You know, Rashad Penny gets hurt. Swift could have this entire backfield. Now I know that they've got a bunch of running backs there that 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 they like, but I think Swift, if he minds his p's and q's, and the coaching staff likes him enough in that offense, he could be a top seven or eight running back uh, for fantasy this year. So if I'm taking a running back there, I'm shooting for, for the moon. Normally if I'm taking running back in this range, it's after I have a bunch of receivers. So, Hey, give me that high upside running back. Yeah. And Deandre Swift, a Philadelphia legend, very high school player returns home. I think that's kind of a cool, a cool narrative. I think he was player of the, of the decade. They do like a, like a Pennsylvania player of the decade. That's how good he was. Um, Guy and Olamide Zacchaeus is high school teammate, so they get like a weird little re- reunion there in Philly Big this year. Big time. Big time. Guys, you know. So we're 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 at an hour. I gotta ask you one question here. So the other day, Billy Muzio and I uh were on with Sean Corner, and I looked up my underdog exposure to Nico Collins, and I'm at like 27% Nico Collins. So sometimes we get in this routine of drafting guys over and over and over again. Uh, you can take this to any format you want, Mike. Who's one guy that you have way, way too much of? Kendra Miller is my number one most owned player on underdog, like 28%. I was drafting last night and I have had the thought like, all right, stop with Kendra Miller. But there was a cool clip of him yesterday running in a drill and who knows with Camara in, in multiple ways. And so he was just like the perfect guy for me in this draft. I mean, I probably had Godwin and had a correlation thing with Miller and running back four on a team. Like I just, a lot of, it's round 13 maybe. A lot of times it's just sort of the board looks like he is the easily the best choice. So I picked him again. Um, I don't know. I mean, what it's all been said already. Like he's an interesting prospect. Maybe that's a team that sort of looks good offensively out of the box with, with new people. Um, but <laughs> you say too much of that's my number one guy. And I have no idea what I'm getting. Too much of can be a good thing, guys. As long as it's not too much of in like a like a, like I feel like double digit rounds. Go for it, Mike. And I th- I will say, Kendra Miller, just twenty one year old, and the other guys are twenty eight. We've seen this story a million times in the NFL. We saw it with Kamara. Um, where are you at, Adam? Give us a guy. Give us one of your your stands. Um, I'll say quick. My late guy that I have take every never draft is Hunter Renfro. I don't have anything other than I think he's really good and. There's some opportunity from there. Waller's gone. You know, there's not a ton of competition there. And he could um, get moved too, Adam. I would love for if, for him to get moved. That would be. Where fantastic. would you like to see him go? The Bills. Let's that's Cole Beasley, baby. <laughs> Let's go. I'd love to see him here in Buffalo somewhere. Who I think whoever trades for a guy like Hunter Renfro is going to want a guy like Hunter Renfro on their team, so they're going to use him. Uh, but a guy that kind of more like matters here in these, these drafts is you know I'm taking so much. Rashad Bateman. Um, I think I can chill on that. You know, they got the, you know, the, the injury and the, the pop and all that stuff. I think I'm just going to, I still want pieces of that offense. So I'm going to, I'm just going to transition it over to like maybe some Odell Beckham or maybe some Zay, like some Zay Zay flowers to try to get my, my shares up on those guys. Cause I still want the pieces of, of this offense, but the Bateman thing's kind of making me nervous. It's, it's tough. Like your most owned guys are almost always late. I'm looking at that yeah. list and like Mac Jones is my most owned quarterback. What <laughs> happened there? Like why? I don't even know who, who likes Mac Jones, but it's never going to be like cup because you just can't control that. Uh, Detroit would be my vote for Renfro. That would, Ooh. that would be, that would be a good one, Mike. That would be a nice one, but it's, it's probably going to be the, the New York giants because they want yeah. every slot receiver in the entire world. 
Um, guys, this was a, a lot of fun. I could legitimately talk football with you guys for four hours. Um, Mike, and let everybody know where they can find you. I will be talking football for four hours uh, today on WGR in Buffalo on the Odyssey app. Once again, A-U-D-A-C-Y. I'm on weekdays with the Bulldog three to seven Eastern five days a week and then Bill's post game. And Adam and I, as you mentioned earlier, do our deep end podcast mostly on Tuesday nights. This week we have pros versus Joe's coming up and it'll be a great month of August with so much draft, so many drafts happening and just what a year. In Vegas, guys, we're in Vegas in like 35 days. Uh, and, and Vegas and the bare knuckle. That's right. That is that is incredible. Uh, Adam, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, so obviously, I'm on the deep end with Mike. Um, and I also work for full, for Full-Time Fantasy. You can find me doing podcasts for them over at Full-Time Fantasy and the FFWC Fantasy Football World Championship. So um, that's how, that's a lot of fun over, over there. And listen, I, I, I know you, you may not ask me, Theo, but I've got the – uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba finishing top 36 receiver. I know I hear you ask everybody out. I got to get in it's on a, it. People want to, people want to get on Billy's good side or something. Top, I have a $350 no. bet top with our own Billy, Mo- sure. Billy Muzio. And he gave me such a low bar. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's going to finish like wide receiver 28. He's such a talented player. I have so many <laughs> outs here. Mike, where are you at on my bet? I'll root for you. Thank you, Mike. You are go. you, do you think it's a good bet? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I mean, you got to love the player, but there are two yeah. other really good receivers on that team. Plus, they love to run it, and they've got two good running backs. So um, that's a close one for me. It's the life finds a way argument here, guys. Talent <laughs> talent rises to the top. Will Disley will not hold back my Jackson Smith and Jigba, Mike. No, no. He will not. No, Guys, this not. was so so much fun. Make sure you tune into the deep end every single Tuesday night right here on, on Player Profiler YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the deep end podcast. Uh, and make sure you're turning into the Dominator every single week. Next week, it'll be Billy Muzio and Matt Kelly. A lot of fun today, guys. And everybody have a wonderful weekend. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.